You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 105, covering Redemption Part 2 and Darmok with Gav Brown. Friends, it is season five time. And joining us to kick off uh, the season where Picard gets a jacket. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything more distinguished off the top of my head. The season where Picard gets a jacket. Yes, that is the most memorable <laughs> thing that happens all year. Is uh, our the old season pal. with the Borg and the season where Picard gets a jacket. Hey, I haven't interviewed or I haven't introduced you yet. You're not here yet. <laughs> is our friend Irish Gav. Hi, Gav. Hi. I'm here now. <laughs> we have, just for the record, been recording... What was it? Four episodes of the crossover <laughs> between our show and your fine show, Drunken Time Travel. Speaking I think, of drunk, I think yeah. it was. I think it was the month before when we started. Yeah, it's been quite some time. Um, so we're a little punchy. Um, We've been recording this as long as the Candyman has been stuck to the <laughs> since before your sun burned hot in space and melted the Candyman to the floor. <laughs> These are jokes that no one will get. No. <laughs> we've, like I say, we've been at it for a while. There's been beer involved, so we're we're all a little punchy. So bear with us here. Plus, plus, there's a character I'm not looking forward to talking about. So there's oh, also that. Yeah. She's she's my favorite. Oh God, <laughs> you have had a lot, haven't you? <laughs> Matt, why don't you kick it off with the stunning conclusion of last season's redemption cliffhanger? Why don't I do just that? Why don't you give me a reason why you can't? I can't. All right, do it. I'm going to. All right. All right. Oh, no. A Klingon civil war is in full swing. Worf's quit the Federation to be second banana on his brother's ship. Some shitty Romulan that looks exactly like Tashi R is running around making what I'm sure she thinks are chilling (laughs) statements about humans and how they're always turning up when you least expect them. And nobody is calling her on how stupid that is, presumably because she's in charge. And the Enterprise is powerless to stop any of it. Picard meets with some admiral and gets himself put in charge of a blockade to keep Romulans from helping the Duras family, making this the one time in history that the words science fiction and embargo have appeared together and not been stupid and boring. I know you can hear me, George Lucas. <laughs> from your script. Meanwhile, on the nameless Klingon homeworld, Worf's brother Kern is learning that Worf is a pretty goddamn shitty Klingon, something we all knew all along, but probably was very crushing for poor Tony Todd. It's a minor consequence, though, as Worf is then kidnapped by the Duras sisters and imprisoned in their cleavage. Denise Crosby <laughs> calls up JLP to tell him that his blockade is bullshit and that he should fuck the fuck off. Picard counteroffers by telling Denise Crosby Romulan to come by and provide some exposition. Denise Crosby Romulan is Tashiar's kid. There. That took about two seconds. The episode drones on about this crap for about 30 minutes, and then Picard tells everyone that it has no bearing on anything important that they're doing now. And I agree completely. Picard puts all his bridge crew in charge of starships, except for the women, but we're not going to dwell on that. And then Data has troubles captaining his crew because we have the surprise return of a Chekhov seat guy who sits around and questions his orders. But then Data reveals that he knew where the three secret Romulan ships were and everyone respects him because he is so damn lovable and he has a kitty. (laughs) The Romulans attempt to run the blockade but fail miserably. Denise Crosby Romulan disappears to go ruin somebody else's good time. And with no supplies, the Duras family loses the war. 
The Duras sisters escape into each other's cleavage, leaving Worf and Lil <laughs> Duras behind. Gowron gives Lil Duras to Worf as compensation for Worf's stolen honor, but Worf finds that he doesn't like the Klingon way, much as he doesn't like anything that is not honor, prune juice, or some combination of the two. And so he returns to the Enterprise and lets Lil Duras live, leaving him on the homeworld where he is obviously killed six seconds later. <laughs> This was, while Best of Both Worlds was exciting in a sort of a personal way, this was the first time the season opened and everything, like, we were just dumped right into the action. Yep. It felt very Ron Moore, like, here's a space fight. We're, we're, we're back. Fuck you. Yep. Like, it was. No, I, we, we start this episode with a Klingon war in space. It fucking rocked. Yeah, it felt very DS9 to me, and obviously it did, because that guy, you know, helped on DS9. Yeah. But we, we just immediately were dropped right into it. It's not a bunch of exposition or anything till later. And I love that. I love right from the beginning, you know, shit's happening. Yep. I, uh, I, I did like that. I would have loved the teaser to have been just Klingons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it would have reminded me of Live and Let Die. That's uh, speaking the, the, in the, the, the James Bond movie where there's, James Bond isn't in at all. <laughs> uh, oh, the James Bond teaser, sorry, where he's not ah, in at all. That, that's, uh, that, that, uh, that was a bit of a was just for Vishal. <laughs> Since he doesn't like Klingons, I thought I'd give him something. <laughs> How can he not like Klingons? We've been through this. Oh, I'm sad now. That's all right. Um, and, and did you know Ronald D. Moore's middle name is Dull? Ah, really? Well, I do now. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, he's on Dull. I bet. This is why you, so this is why you should never do research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never do. <laughs> well, then you're fine. <laughs> uh, Matt, good thing, bad thing? All right, so my good thing, I love Worf refusing to kill little Duras. Uh, it's a great scene that sums up why, while he may be a Klingon, he has always been better suited to Starfleet. Unfortunately, I don't think we ever see that kid again, so he probably got killed. I actually did not like that scene. Really? I because You remember the, the scene where he killed Duras, mm-hmm. where we were really surprised that he actually went through with it. Yeah. Because I think it's a cliché. I offer him your life, you know, I offer you his life. Uh, oh, I'll spare it. That always happens every time. And that's why I love the Duras scene, because he didn't do it. No, but see, that's the thing. Worf got his revenge on the on on Duras, the guy he hated. This other guy was just some kid who, like, had been led along by, you know. Cleavage. Cleavage. Yes. And was just completely out of his depth. I suppose. I don't know. I just, I, I didn't agree. like it because of the cliché. Although, not to boil actually, but uh, we do see him again. Oh, do we? Mm, in when? Deep Space Nine. Oh. Really? I know not Larson. The, not, the, not the same actor, but uh, we <laughs> well, do see him again. Young like Klingons, <laughs> young Klingons grow very fast. Just ask Alexander. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was going to say. Already what other... Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. Larson and Bator show up over there, don't they? They do. Yeah, but, then, but not the same episode. On, uh, je- yeah, I remember. No, I don't dislike them as villains, although I think in this episode they really went over the top with, like, the sinister music and them lurking in the shadows and them, yes, we will destroy it. Like, they were, they were a little too when, kind of villainy. Uh, when, they're, when all the Klingons are drinking in the bar and they're mm-hmm. just in the background going, yeah, soon. That's the scene that I mean, yeah. Little too, like, if they had mustaches, which they may, yes. <laughs> they would be twirling them. I, uh, yeah, I can't believe Worf turned down a creepy threesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's that bit where we open on sort of a tight shot of him in the bed and then they sort of zoom out and you see her, what's she doing? Like stroking his hair or something? Yeah. Like, something intimate. And his first reaction is this cute little smile, like, yeah. And then he wakes up and, ah! 
Like, who did, he, <laughs> who did he think that it was? He just opens his eyes. Oh, no! But, I mean, what... Well, well who hasn't done that? <laughs> <laughs> who did he think was actually doing that when he was happy until he realized who it was? Like, he doesn't have a woman. He's never... He had Kalar for ten minutes, and that was it. And he pissed hey. it down his leg. Yep. He thought it was Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Flowers. <laughs> Your bad thing, Matt? Uh, Yeah. So I hate Sela, but let's talk about why I hate Sela. So Tasha Head was widely considered to be a pretty shitty death for a main character on Star Trek. They even comment on it in the episode where she comes back. Now, they eventually had an opportunity to fix that in yesterday's Enterprise, and she goes out like a hero, saving the Enterprise C and the universe. That should have been it. That should have been the end of it. Except then she gets captured by Romulans, raped, and yeah, I do believe that's what happened. I don't believe for a second that she would have willingly given herself up to a Romulan, and then executed off screen. You guys really can't leave well enough alone, can you? I mean, Picard says it himself. Sela being Tasha's daughter brings absolutely nothing to this episode. She could have been any Romulan. She could have been Tomalok. She could have been a new character. She could have been anything. Mm -hmm. And they spend like 20 minutes explaining her stupid origin, which doesn't make any sense, and it brings the episode to a complete screeching halt. And none of it matters. The last time we see her at the end of this episode, she just leaves. Yeah, it's not good. Go ahead. It's just, it's I don't dumb. see why she should have a good death. Who, Tasha? I mean, yeah. I mean, she didn't have a good life. Why <laughs> should she have a good death? That's, she was, I mean, she wasn't the greatest when she was alive. That's fair, uh, but... I, I was fine with her crappy death. I Well, as Matt says, she is a main bridge character. She should have at least not been killed by a guy who we're still doing the stupid voice of because he was so terrible. Hey, guess what, guys? <laughs> yeah. That voice. It was me all along. Welcome to season five, where we're still talking about how terrible Armas was. <laughs> and, and I wasn't surprised at all um, to, to find out who, who suggested the idea of her coming back. Was it Rick yep. Berman? No. It was, it, was it, was, it, was, it was actually her. Oh, it was Denise Crosby. Yeah, I actually knew that, come to think of it. Yeah. I quit too soon. I'm sorry. Bring me back. Ugh, fine. The part of Sela, she said, came about from me sitting around in my house one day, thinking about how much fun it was to go back and do yesterday's Enterprise. And it was so much fun that I thought, what else can I do to get money? No, that's not what she said. <laughs> what else can I do to help pay my mortgage? I sat around my house thinking, oh, God, they're going to take my house away. <laughs> Why did I quit that regular gig that paid very, very well? I wonder if they'll take me back. It's the equivalent of you break up with a chick and then you can't get another date. And so you call her when you're drunk and say, hey, come on, please. Can we go out again? Like, no, I've Remember moved on. Fun we had? No, I've moved on. Go away. Stop calling. <laughs> it's the equivalent of getting dumped by a chick and then running her up and saying, no, it's not me. <laughs> it's, I'm the son. I got raped by Romulan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but OK, now let's talk about how little sense it makes. The Enterprise-C came through the rift and time changed, and then they sent it back and time went back to normal. How yeah. how does Tasha not fade out of existence at that point because now she's supposed to be dead again? Yeah. I don't get it. It's like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. And it's just well, not. That's, that's the, well, that's time travel for you. It is. Well, yeah, but it doesn't even make sense for bad time travel. I think to this point, Next Gen has not done muddled confusing time travel. It's all been fairly straightforward and pretty cool, I think. And this is the first time they've done something with time travel that's like, oh, that's stupid. Because yesterday's Enterprise was fairly straightforward. Yeah. And I don't think they've done any other time travel stories yet, have they? 
Oh, they've done a few. There was the, the time and again. No, Time the Squared, with, where they time found squares. Picard six hours Yeah, the where future. they found Picard, yes. Right. And, of course, the great episode, Time Time. Right. <laughs> Which is really <laughs> just Time, time Squared time. written a different way. Yes. Time Times Time. Um, no, but they, they haven't really, like, Star Trek, and I think Voyager in particular, but even Next Gen, ends up doing time travel, like, just worse and worse each time. Mm-hmm. They they overuse it. The logic doesn't make any sense. But until this point, I don't think that's true yet. I think this is the first time they've really said, uh, well, this doesn't make any sense, but fuck it. Let's just do it. Yeah. And I think they yeah. wanted it to be an extra, oh, my God, this is a great new development. But I don't think I don't think that works. Well, I mean, it's like I said, it's a great cliffhanger. <sighs> it just, yeah, it doesn't If you don't know anything about what's coming next. I mean, I don't hate it that much, but, yeah, I get that. I, I've said this before. I hate it way more because of what she's going to do to the Spock episode. Mm-hmm. The Spock appearance should have been the high point. It should have been, oh, my God, we got Nimoy. This should be the best episode we've ever done because we have, we've established ourselves as our own thing. So it's not like we're falling back on the original series and we can really bring things together now. And this is going to be great. And then yeah. Sayla shows up and it's just stupid. Yeah. And to be fair to, to Ronald D. Moore or Dowley, as I go. <laughs> Dowley. Uh, he, Dowley. First, the first time he heard the idea, he did say it would, he just thought it was awful, you mm. know, to bring her back. That's, that's our guy. <laughs> but then he, but then he thought about it and uh, put it in. Uh, he thought about it because Rick Berman jabbed him with a sharp stick. Yes. Yes, he's the Bring first doctor of Berman. <laughs> I'm Rick Berman. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's as dead on as your Picard impression, I assume. Right? <laughs> I do like how all your impressions introduce themselves. Well, they always have to say their own name. Otherwise, how would you know who they are? Yeah, exactly. That's how that works. I'm Rick Berman. Incidentally, I'm Captain Picard. Thank you. Uh, Gav, good thing, bad thing? Good thing. My good thing is finally O'Brien's on the bridge. Oh yeah, um, doing the job he did for Captain Maxwell. Uh, it's only it's only up from here for him. <laughs> well, well, back down to the transport room. Uh, but he can beam himself up. Right? <laughs> um, also, Betty had to to sort out the, you know the redoubt because Warford made it all in Klingon and made the entire display a giant red button that says fire, or indeed bah. Oh yeah, that does mean fire, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is great to see about the, the amount of the amount of Klingons that are, that are sleeping and just go, yeah. and then people someone shoots them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I mean we all love O'Brien, and we know he's going to be great later. And yeah, because the the fleet is spread so thin, because they've sent off everyone else, he needs to be up there. And you're absolutely right; it is great to see him doing a tactical position, which he does have a, a background in. It was a nice bit of continuity there. And nice to see O'Brien. Always nice to hear from Always O'Brien. nice to hear from O'Brien. Yes. <laughs> My only problem is with that whole, uh, you know, having spread the, the fleet thing mm-hmm. and all. Why doesn't, why doesn't Jordy come out? Well, Jordy went with uh, Riker. With, with, with Riker, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't see why, unless it's because of rank or something, but well, that, I don't see why he shouldn't, why he can't come out on the show. I, I know he, he was. He commands, he commands engineering. Because he's not. He's not on the command track. The, the red shirt guys usually, with data as the exception. But mm. red is command and yellow is like, uh, what, what is the, they have an all-encompassing word that counts security and science, but I don't remember what it is. Or not science, but like engineering. Um, Ops or something like that. Yeah, I there don't. you go. But it's not and command. And just security. Yes. <laughs> and security. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think he's interested in command. I don't think he wants that. 
Whereas I think Data wanted to sort of test his, you know, his abilities. Like, Jordy's happy being an engineer. I mean, he just got a big promotion a couple of years ago. He doesn't want, you know, he's happy where he is. exactly the type of guy who's not going to come sniffed around for another promotion. Yeah, I also don't think he would make a great captain. No. I think he's a good department head, but I don't think he'd make a great captain. No, I think putting him in charge of engineering was finding exactly what he was born to do. Right. It's just like, okay, I'm good now. This is as high as I need to. It, unless I'm joining the uh, Starfleet Corps of Engineers, I'm good. Right. <laughs> um. So your bad thing, I, that, that kind of ties into what you just said, I think. Bad thing. Uh, uh, too much. It was just too much in one episode. Yeah. There, there's probably right. about yes. two or three episodes on that. And, uh, yeah, the, the data plot alone could have been its own episode, I really think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, 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 and it would have been nice to see... Riker and uh, Jordy on the other ship. Yeah, they basically you know, send them away and you never see them. And then, you, yeah, you never see them. Goodbye. Well, the Excalibur. <laughs> is the Excalibur the one from New Frontier? Or is that yes, the... that's the ship from New Frontier. Oh, very well. And this I... is before no, New Frontier is supposed to take place. But... Well, yeah, but they could they could give the ship a history, and I'm sure Peter David knows that. Yeah. Because that guy, you know, owns the Star Trek encyclopedia like we all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, Gav, that ties nicely into my bad thing. I'll, I'll do my bad thing first just because they're sort of related. I think this is something I've said all along. They, they're they not good at part two. This was a good episode, but I don't think it paid off on the promise of part one. Uh, the, the wholesaler thing, which is stupid, but Matt covered that, and I've bitched about it enough, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Civil War ends with one tiny action. Data catching the Romulan... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, convoy. Yeah. That's it. The whole Civil War is done now. And like you were saying, Gav, the, you know, there would have been two or three episodes here. The show loves to threaten huge things and then immediately back down with some tiny, like, you know, putting the Borg to sleep or spotting one Romulan ship. Like, this should be so much bigger than that. <clears throat> and I, I know the show couldn't be serialized, but they could have at least shoved the Klingon Civil War in the background. And just mentioned from time to time the Klingons are still fighting. This isn't Had resolved sort of yet. Run, run for the rest of the season. Yeah. And, just in the background. And then when you do your next Wharf episode, revisit it. But otherwise, you don't have to focus on it. It could just still be happening. It just everything tied up too neatly way too quickly. Yeah. Well, they had, well, they had uh, Worf and his discommodation thing running throughout uh, Series 3. Yeah, which was a great so- Sort of yeah. serialization. They could have continued. Or series four, this. sorry. Right. So they could have done the same with the Civil War. Actually, I think uh-huh. it started with season three, didn't it? And it continued. Yeah, I think into you're four. right, actually. Because I think yeah, uh, Sins of the Father was. was yeah. yeah, Sins of the Father. Which is and I don't four. understand why a Civil War, a Klingon Civil War, sorry, is a bad thing. I well, mean, they do love to fight. Surely, yeah. Surely there's yeah, one every them. three. <laughs> surely there's one every three weeks. Undoubtedly. Well, and I like in DS9, uh, Worf loses his honor again. I feel like this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. These guys are constantly having civil wars, taking each other's honor away. Like they're just they do this. That's a thing. They're just, they're just very. It's like careful. honor is a hat that you can have stolen from you. Right. <laughs> Give me back my hat. No. And they're like holding it up and they're jumping. Come on. Where my back. hat is at. <laughs> My good thing, I love the data subplot. Like, there's a lot going on. I like the Klingon stuff. I like uh, I like Picard's stuff. But I, I really, really like Data's art. He's put in command for the first time, and he's got, as as Matt says, one of the one of the Chekhov seat jerks from the original series. Just a guy who resists at every. It, it's we can see this guy's point, but he's being a dick because we like Data. Yeah, but it's but essentially he is being a dick about it. Yeah, but we can see his point. This guy's not human. Do we really want him making decisions 
you know, a robot making decisions, that might not be the best thing. Yeah. And and it's interesting seeing Data convince him and mimicking emotions to, you know, like he, he pretends to be angry to get him to do something. Yeah, I, I love how he's clearly influenced by uh, Picard's captaining. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely yeah, see that. That's what uh, was it Brent Spiner said, because some people thought um, that Data was emotional in this. No, I've always read that as data. Because they're, they're idiots. Yeah, yeah. he's just copying. But yeah, Brent Spiner said he was just copying Picard. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. and they all love doing their Patrick Stewart impressions anyway. So. <laughs> well, who does? You win. Yes, exactly. I, but I really enjoy that. And, and as you said, Gev, that would have been a great entire episode on its own. Just, it, it would have been. It's just, uh, and, I, and I think I read, was it uh, Michael Dorn said that? Probably because mm-hmm. he was just annoyed that the episode wasn't about him. <laughs> Come on, I thought this was a Klingon thing. Why am I not all over this? Why am I not the most important person? Why are we talking about fucking Denise? We fired her, right? Incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, I'm doing a new Star Trek show. <laughs> no, so he's everyone not. watch out for that. No, no, he's not. No. But no, I really, I really like that whole arc. It starts with Picard's reassigning, because the fleet is spread thin, uh, and they don't say this, but we know it's because of the Borg. Yeah. There are a few ships around to spare because they all got blown up. Mm-hmm. And they're still rebuilding and there's not a lot of officers, there's not a lot of ships. So it's like, okay, well, we got these ships. Uh, who's going to command them? Oh, well, Riker, you go here. And who else did they send? I could swear, apart from Riker and Data, they sent... Riker and Jordy. Um... But as captains. I think it was just Riker and Data, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I think you might be right. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, dude. Women can't be captains. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no room in your. You were here for this, Gav. There's no room in your world. Oh God, I was. <laughs> you asked for that one. Specifically he requested lots for that. Yeah, and it was amazing. Yes, it was. You did a poem for us, as I recall. He did. He did. Uh, looking back, um, <laughs> this is the shades of gray of Host Atomic Horror. <laughs> oh no! We're all trapped in an elevator and uh, with a Borg. With a Borg. That'll make that, you guys aren't going to get that joke, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> no, but data—it's the whole arc starts with data after the reassignments have been made. Uh, data's on the Enterprise, and he goes to Picard. He's like, "Why didn't I get a ship? I'm, you know, I have a service record. I've been here for twenty years. I'm a lieutenant I, commander. What the hell? I'm a good mission guy." Yeah, <laughs> and Picard's like, "Uh, you know what? You're right. I'm very sorry. You take this ship." Like it was—it was cool for Picard to actually—you could see him thinking. Yeah. You could see him sit there and process it and say, there is no reason. You're absolutely yeah. right here. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's like, yeah, no, you, why don't you have a ship? That's a good question. Yeah. I, I was being a bit of a racist, but you're right. And let's, you know, <laughs> let's fix that. I'm sorry. Yep. Now, I I liked three quarters of this episode. Yeah. I just did not like what they're I, I mean, I think the biggest problem with this episode is what Gav said. There's too much happening here. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is not important. Like, it's it's just completely inconsequential to the episode. No, we don't need her. We don't need her. To be honest, she doesn't have a great presence. No, she doesn't. We talked about that a bit last time. She's lurking in the shadows, and we're, she's supposed to be, like, menacing. And she's just like, I'm going to destroy Picasso. <laughs> like, she's not... We don't care. She's not, you know... And we've seen female Romulan commanders be... Formidable uh, presences. Yeah, one of our favorite um, characters was a female Romulan commander. Well, there was female Romulan commander from the That's original That's what I'm talking series, about. But there was another one in this series, as I recall. Yeah. And they've all been great. And mm-hmm. she just is not as good as they are even. I, no. Romulans are one of the few cultures we've seen where women are equal. 
Yeah. And so a female villain from the Romulans is fine, but she should be, you know, she should be a badass. Yeah. Not this. Good. And her hair is wrong for start. Oh, God. Yeah, like, that drove me crazy. Her hair does not look like it fits on her face. Well, that, and... No, it's just, like, uh, basic uh, genetics. stupid face. <laughs> but basic genetics. I mean, blonde is a, is a recessive gene. She yeah. shouldn't be blonde. No, and she should have, like, Romulan forehead bumps. A little bit, yeah. It's like, well, you're, a Rom- you're half Romulan, so ears. Yeah, but she's still got to look like... Tasha, so terrible hair. That's always a Tasha thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, y- your voice will be the same. Yes. Why not? I-, I also didn't see the point in Worf. You know, it's a bit where Worf sees her on a video screen. Oh, he doesn't even react. That's, He's like, huh, yeah, whatever. He doesn't react and has never picked up again. Why yeah. didn't he and say, he oh, fucking hell, it's, it's Tasha. Yeah, it's my old boss. Yeah. I think People it would be weird if... I'm glad she's a Romulan. Well, I love Romulans, so... Uh... <laughs> Hope Tasha doesn't need a blood transfusion. I hated her when she was human, and now I really hate her. And now I have a good reason to hate her. Oh, why do I tell Dana? <laughs> <laughs> and speaking about war, he really is just the Klingon square, isn't he? Well, this is the first time we really get a good look at that. Yeah. Or square. Oh. <laughs> I mean, even on the on the ship for a start. I yeah. mean, I don't understand why he's not captain, but. Well, it's not he, his, I thought about that, too, but it's Kern's actual ship. I don't think that they respect his Starfleet experience that much. I think he doesn't have a lot of experience in Klingon culture, so they say, you know. But, but he's, he's the older brother. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, that was my first thinking, but, like, it's literally Kern's ship that he owns. Well, and Kern has been sort of acting like he's not Worf's brother so that he could protect his honor. Yeah. And so they've only recently been able to even reveal that they're brothers. So, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, he's kind of important. So he's got an old ship that he uh, fixes up. <laughs> there's two things we know about Kern. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's this scene, and I think one of you said you liked it in your notes, and I didn't really make sense to me, where two opposing sides of a, of a war go in a bar and they just drink and fight and then go back and fight each other some more. That does I make, loved that. I thought that was such a Klingon thing. does not make a lick of sense. I love that. I like, like it. I like hey, it. It's like, yeah, we fight, but like when we're not fighting, we're going to hang out because we're fucking Klingons. It sounds like a thing Klingons would say, but if you really think of the logistics of it, it doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't they just shoot them all right there? I, I love it. But it happened in ancient Greece. Did it? When they, when they had the Olympics, um, it, no matter what war was going on, people would, uh, you know, be sent, sent to, you know, it, Olympics happened. They would stop the wars and uh, go to the Olympics. So it was like and Christmas then, in World War then, I. Yeah. yeah, they would resume the Olympics again afterwards. Huh. All right. And then they would resume the wars again afterwards. Right. No, and I, I but, love I love those uh, Kern and the other, the Duras loyal Klingon just shit-talking each other. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems strange to me, but I mean, as, as a Klingon thing, I like it. I just, I can't really see how it works. Mm. But, uh, all right. But uh, you see Klingons doing what they do, and we haven't seen a lot of that yet. And you realize they're not like Worf. This no. one Klingon that we've been following is, is, as you say, a square. He's not – the rest of them are cool, and they drink a lot, they fight, they, you know, they, they have fun. And Worf's sitting in the corner, like, trying to figure out how to make the ship work better. Yeah, Worf's, Worf's on, on the ship saying uh, it, they're exceeding design limits. Right. What Klingon says exceeding design limits? <laughs> Think about what you just said. Yeah. 
And then, and then there's a bit where uh, they're, they're, they convince him to, you know, to have Klingon fun or whatever, and he throws that pad away. Yep. You can just, you can just bet that <laughs> half an hour later he ran back to get it. Yeah. <laughs> if one of the Dura um, sisters oh, didn't no, grab it's, it, it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, having just finished a beer <laughs> for the other <laughs> podcast. And wishing to God that I wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Wishing to God that I wasn't and I could just go back to working on the podcast and not having fun. I can relate. (laughs) And then also there's the, uh, wasn't it Garon was telling them about stuff and then said, oh, by the way, War Scream captured at the end. Yes. And and, and no one cares. (laughs) There's nothing picking up on that. Just, oh, right, okay. No, like... (laughs) Just so you know, he's probably being tortured. Yeah. Might be dead. See ya. <laughs> like you Power said, on out. everything just happened. <laughs> way Super too- twist. <laughs> <laughs> everything just happened way too fast toward the end. It's it's what we've been talking about through next gen, which is you have a really long sort of slow buildup, and then everything has to happen at the end. Like, we spent way too much time talking about who Sela was. Yeah. When all this other plot could have been resolving itself in a more sensible pace. Mm-hmm. But instead, nope, let's talk about this. No. Yeah, she's the least interesting part of this episode, and she's the thing we spend the most amount of time doing. Yep. And then and then Guinan comes in and says, yep, that's really her, because she's got that weird time power. I'm fine with her weird time power, mm-hmm. but it's like... Yeah, I'm fine with it because it's very vague. But it's, yeah. it's very clear to me that the writers were stuck. Well, how... They wouldn't be aware of this, because time changed. How would we... Oh, Guinan. Of course. But there's no real point to it because no. she tells Picard, you know, she he ordered her back, which he didn't, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, he no, ordered her back and that's how and yeah, and that's how she that's how uh, that's how she ended up back there. Mm-hmm. And then Picard ruins it by saying, Oh, this this is what I've been told. So there's no way that he would believe her even she said yes, that's what it is. Right. The only way he would believe her if she came in and said, This is what happened. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, and the other part of her is uh, Denise Crosby's just not a good actor. Nope. No, she, she's not really. No. If if she had been, this is why I was fine with her shitty dead. Yeah, if if she had been a really really solid, you know, a solid presence, like we were saying, some of those terrible monologues might have been okay. Well, this is dumb, but at least she's you know she's carrying it. She's yeah, at least convincing she's, she's trying. Yeah, and instead, no, she's like, and I called out so they would murder my mother. Eh, shut up, lady. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say she'd be a mediocre part of the episode for me. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, we need to press on, so any any further points? Any um, things we definitely need to talk about? I think I'm just it. amazed Klingons made out of the 20th century, but that's it. <laughs> it's the goddamn Dark Ages. Exactly. I'm All really right. glad we won't have to talk about Sela for a long time now. Uh, yeah, we will. Unification's only uh, five or six episodes away, something like that. Mid- Is it? Mid-season okay. five. God fucking damn it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gav, you got a... Or, excuse me, Matt, do you have a quote for us? Oh, yeah, I do. And here it is. By order of Starfleet, I hereby take command of this vessel. Please note the time and date in the ship's log. Excuse me, sir. I'd like to request a transfer. May I ask why? I don't believe I'd be a good first officer for you. 
your service record to date suggests you would perform that function adequately. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I don't think I'd be a good first officer for you. Why? Frankly, sir, I don't believe in your ability to command this ship. You're a fellow officer, and I respect that, but no one would suggest that a Klingon would be a good ship's counselor or that a Borellian could be an engineer. They're just not suited for those positions. By the same token, I don't think an android is a good choice to be captain. I understand your concerns. Request denied. That's a delightful quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I um, I loved, uh, I loved uh, Douche Chekhov guy being all like, uh, yeah, I have a lot of reasons for uh, uh, wanting to leave. And Data's going, uh-huh. Yeah, so what? Get back, get back <laughs> to no, your post. No, those are great reasons. Yeah, don't care. Get back oh, to work. Oh, and the other note that I had here was there was a USS Hermes. <laughs> and all like, uh, my, my note is, great worker ant of the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> thought you'd like that. <laughs> all right, now. I'm picturing them trying to pilot a Galaxy-class starship under a limbo bar. <laughs> Uh, pushing forward to possibly my favorite episode of Next Gen overall. Definitely, like, top three. Okay. Shades of Grey it is? Yes. <laughs> Shades of Rascals. <laughs> uh, Darmok. Gav, Darmok. take it away. Uh, I will say it this way. With no one to talk to you about the Enterprise, decides to establish communications with the Temerians. It's sentient, you see. You won't be laughing come season seven. <laughs> the Temerians have been tricky to communicate with, what with the universal translator and the old shout and speak slowly methods not working. <laughs> they were called incomprehensible by Captain Silvestri, while Variety said they were luminous and unforgettable. <laughs> the Temerian ship and Enterprise meet, and it's the same story, but before you can say Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra, the alien captain, Dathon, transports himself and Picard to the planet. Worf tries to beam the captain back, but it's too late because he's too busy thinking about the shuttle bay. Downstairs, Dathon gives Picard a knife, but seeing no roasted birds nearby, he declines. At night, Picard tries making a fire, but only Dathon succeeds, who then gives a flaming homer, I mean branch, saying, Timber, his arms wide. Picard looks into his uh, Demerian phrasebook, but can only find my hovercraft is full of eels, so thanks him. <laughs> Worf thanks one of the remaining sho- Worf takes one of the remaining shovels down to the planet, but has to return as the Temerians disable it. Geordi and Ashley Judd, non-holographic, attempt to adjust the transporters to get through the Temerian interference. Next day, Picard again refuses the knife, until when he hears the roar of a vicious creature and takes it. Picard understands, uh, then, when Dathon says his fist open, that he's speaking in metaphors. You know, like a management consultant. <laughs> the creature attacks them. The card goes to save Dathan from it, but before you can say Armas and Salad with Viagra, he's caught in the Enterprise transporter beam. It eventually fails, leaving Picard with the wounded alien captain. As he dies, Dathan tells Picard the Darmok tale to amuse the captain. Darmok and Jod were enemies who defeated the common enemy and became friends. Picard reciprocates by telling the tale of Gilgamesh and Enkidu, who, who were enemies who defeated a common enemy and became friends. But it's the last thing Dathan hears. Eventually, back on the Enterprise, Picard tells the Temerian left in charge of the, the story of Picard and Dathan, 
hot and I mentioned this to you, Gav, before uh, before we started. That I noticed your summary in the last few sentences. There's no jokes because yeah, I run out of jokes. Yeah, no. <laughs> because you, it's so good. It is. No, it just felt it just felt wrong to put jokes in there. Yeah. yeah, it's just you want to tell the people what happened so they have the context, but it's like no, I don't want to cheapen this. This is just so good. I I just thinking about it, it's like I love Star Trek so much. Yep. And Star Trek, you guys, <laughs> isn't it great? We mentioned this on Star Trek. <laughs> we mentioned this on the Drunken Time Travel uh, uh, crossover, which is if you weren't here now doing this episode, this is the one I would have chosen. That embodies what this show is about. Yeah. It is just so. There's no. Ex, there's no conflict exactly. There is, but there isn't. It's mostly about trying to, you know, break through something very strange and alien and trying to understand it. And it's just so Gene's vision in a good way. I love it. Uh, so let's let's roll into your uh, good thing and bad thing there, Gav. My, my good thing is just the very idea of a culture that speaks in metaphors. It, it's such a fantastic concept that a lot of science fiction shows just wouldn't even conceive of. Yep. It's completely alien to us and yet so relatable. Uh, I mean, Russell, you know, Doctor Who producer that brought it back, Russell T. Davis, mm-hmm. he, he was looking in the, you know, the TV guide or whatever mm-hmm. and he, he, he saw uh, you know, uh, Captain Picard and, and a, an alien who speaks in metaphors of trapping the planet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just said, I love the idea so much. I think I'd just rather think about it forever. <laughs> so he, he never, he never even watched the episodes just because the premise was so good. Right. <laughs> and then he wrote, uh, and then he wrote the Doctor Who episode in Midnight that was not I mean, about metaphors, but it was kind of about an, an alien speaking in more, uh, differently in words. Right. Now, I I have said this all along. I love when alien cultures are truly alien and not just obviously stand-ins for Earth cultures or some aspect of people. This is just a strange thing that, like you said, it's relatable to the point that we we the audience get it. But it's alien enough. It's like, wow, this is weird. Yeah, just that a, a culture based around this. It's so awesome. And you get why the Enterprise guys can't figure it out because you, you wouldn't even think, you know, well, they're saying words. Why aren't we getting what they're saying? And it's, now, what, what, one of the things I love about this episode is that they assign data to uh, to decode it. Uh-huh. The one person on the ship who really doesn't have a shot in hell of decoding a, a language made up of metaphor. See, I disagree because he has a, a you know encyclopedic knowledge, a Wikipedic knowledge of... Uh, of cultures and references, I think he'd be better suited than anybody else. Right, but even though he has that 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 Wikipedia knowledge, like you would need the imagination to make those connections. I suppose that's true. Although they're fairly logical connections. Eh. But uh, I, I think, and I'm going to disagree with you now. I think it was Troy that really helped to you know discover the link. <sighs> I think we're we're gonna we're gonna skip a little because my bad thing is I the whole subplot on the Enterprise. The whole them trying to figure it out. I Every time we cut away, is like, but I want to see more Picard and, and the alien captain. I don't care about this. Because they sort of figure it out, but they don't need to. Picard figures it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like That's that's just extraneous. It's just to give well, them well, something that, to do. Well, that's true, yes. That, that was my real bad thing. I mean, I originally said Troy, but the more I thought about it, it was the whole thing. It was the whole... Yeah. They needed to keep the rest of the cast involved, so they have them 
trying to solve the same problem that Picard successfully solves by himself. And, and it makes sense for her to be one of the people because there was another episode where she was talking, I think it was the one with the Sheliak, mm-hmm. where she was talking to Picard about language. And there was pointing, the... Um, pointing at a cup would say, what, 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 what am I trying to say? Right. You know, all the different things. No, that's that's a good scene to, to bring back to this, absolutely. And then there was uh, the loss where she... Was it the loss? Where she lost her powers? Yeah. yeah. Um, where they tried to get her to solve uh, a, a something similar, where she had to figure out a culture. Like, that That should be one of her jobs. And sometimes they write it well and sometimes they don't. But although, although, there, although there was that... Remember she asked the computer, what uh, does Jilad mean, or whatever, mm-hmm. and the computer was running through all these things, and she stopped it after it was a frozen dessert. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's of course she did. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate. I, I do like the, the nice little detail of there are only so many consonant and vowel sounds that any word you pick is going to be a thousand different things in, yeah. in some culture. No, that may, I, and I, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it absolutely. It makes sense, because even on Earth, you've got yeah. that. Yeah, we've got... A hundred languages or whatever, and every planet has that. So you yeah. know, so you move out to like an infinite number of uh, right of uh, civilizations. Exactly, I each yeah. with only one language <laughs> and one capital city and one yeah <laughs> all that. But no, I just I think the Enterprise crew like they had to give them something to do. But I, I just every time I wanted to cut back to the planet because that was you know that was where the meat of the episode was. Yes. Yeah, that was where it all happened. Even the Riker bit wasn't that. I mean, he was no. just getting grumpy because Daddy was in trouble. Yeah, I'm mad. And then he, then he can't then he can't help but start an intergalactic incident. <laughs> of course. <laughs> nice one, Bill. <laughs> nice going. Yeah, and there was, there was another bit where he said, "I'm betting." Uh, I think you know, whenever the shuttle went off, and mm-hmm. it was like, uh, "I think they're going to attack the shuttle," and he says, "I'm betting they're not going to push it that far." Yeah, but they did. And, and he and he plays poker. Yeah, this was. I think it was supposed to be like a Kirk moment, but it really uh, he didn't. No. He wasn't as good but, at it. Yeah, but Kirk. Yeah, Kirk normally wins. Right. Uh, your bad thing. My bad thing is the cards. Well, not, well, is there is there nothing he doesn't know? <laughs> but well, apart from how to make fire, apparently. <laughs> He's a Renaissance man, but Homo erectus managed to make fire a million years ago, but Picard can't. Well, I mean, in fairness, he usually just walks over to the replicator and says, Replicator, fire. <laughs> oh, shit, everything's on, everything's on fire. No! Well, Captain burned down his cabin again. And there's all our oxygen gone, too. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, I, I imagine Starfleet cadets are probably given basic survival training. But, I don't know, Picard doesn't seem like the kind of guy like it doesn't involve a book or riding a horse like he's he's a little <laughs> more cultured and refined than that i don't know that he's good in the outdoors i don't know i, I think i think he that. would yeah, yeah. all right that fair really enough seems like something he just rubbed two sticks together I've, i mean obviously obviously he's not the first doctor he's not going to know much about sticks <laughs> but i mean even so i i i'll tell you this i could not make fire if i Go, were left make, out make, fi- make fire now i can't I mean, if I have to be in this closet much longer, I might burst into flames. But that's not the same thing. All right, history no, checks because, out. Because there'd be a lot of carbon dioxide in there and not much oxygen. <sighs> so it's probably going to be quite difficult. I feel like I'm talking to the other Gav right now. Stop it. <laughs> Don't ever insult me like ah. that. Oh, boy. Some things just can't be taken back. Yeah. No, I, I really... We love you, English Gav. Uh, I, I could not rub two sticks together and make fire. I bet you guys couldn't either. 
No, but we're also not the captain of the flagship of the Enterprise, or I, the flagship of the Enterprise. Yes, the yeah. flag of all the Enterprise, his is the most flagship. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think it's harder than it looks. Is all I'm saying. No, yeah, I, the I, I, I think it is harder than it looks. I just think Picard could do it. Yeah. All right, fair enough. It's not about uh, making fire is easy. It's about Picard is awesome. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, uh, Matt. I completely fell in love with the uh, the alien captain. Mm-hmm. The actor that plays him had to be a character who speaks absolutely no comprehensible dialogue, yep. but is still not completely impossible to understand. I love how badly you can see he wants Picard to understand him. He is so passionate about this, like, about this meeting working, about humans and, what are they, Temerians? I think so, yes. Yeah. Like, uniting. He, he... Like I said, he never speaks anything you can understand, but you can see how much he wants this. And the joy he feels when Picard starts to understand him just made me feel so fucking good. Yeah, there's. it takes a hell of an actor to speak in gibberish or to not speak at all or, you know, something like that where you don't have words and inflection. Well, you mean he's got inflection. Mm-hmm. But you just you, you can't communicate with words. You have to do it all with inflection and with, with body language, with all that. And he was amazing. This is uh, this is Paul Winfield. He played uh, Chekhov's captain of the uh, Reliant in Star Trek oh, yeah. Two, and he was all right in that. He wasn't bad, but no, I did not think he was this amazing. No, he was just he was just masterful. In well, this. and we always talk about actors holding their own with Patrick Stewart, which isn't easy. But this goes beyond that. This goes like these two were doing some really heavy emotional lifting, and th- everything was just perfect. And that's half the reason I like this as much as I do, mm-hmm. is those two are just oh, so good. Yeah, just just tremendous acting. Yeah. Um, and your bad thing? The invisible monster was not <sighs> great. First of all, he's invisible, except when he's not. And when he's not, he's terrible. Eh. Uh, I, I can see, well, I, I didn't have a problem with him, but I can see why they made him invisible. I think you, you know a lot of the time. You're going the, the Jaws shark route. Oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Going off the rails now. You no, know, Jaws is awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think the problem is you couldn't have a viable threat on that planet without having to build a big monster, and there's That's... no way that show could do that effectively. Or you end up with something like the Mugatu. Yeah. And they did not want to make a, a white furry gorilla with a horn, so... <laughs> This episode, I was really reaching for a bad thing. No, I understand. But I think they had to make some kind of a threat, and that was... The, well, let's make it invisible. How about that? Sure. It did have Lost a bit of a... On a Gorn ship. Yeah. It did have a bit of a smoke monster from Lost feel to it, I thought. Which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I, then it, they stab it with knives, so that's all right. Well, yeah. And it had a bit of a predator feel to it as well. Yeah. Which I'm sure they were probably going for that. Let's make it more predatory. Yeah. I kind of wonder if the Tamarians knew that that thing was down there and that they would be facing it. I assume so, which which makes, you know, it's, I just feel it's a pawn in intergalactic diplomacy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really his fault or its fault. And yeah. then they just, and they just ended up killing it. It's like the bulls in the, in the, you know, running of the bulls. It's like, oh, yeah. come on, they're just doing their thing. You know, that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it alone. Yeah. Those those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my good thing was I already said just that this is you know the, the episode I would hand someone who'd never seen Star Trek before and say here this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since I already said that, my other good thing is Picard's fucking awesome jacket. 
<laughs> you really love that jacket. I love that jacket. No, it's a, it's a cool it, outfit. It gets it gets better. It does. But I he's got the because I didn't like the uh, sorry the leather bits or rubber bits. Yeah, it looks it, it does look a, a little better later on. Um, no, I I just I mean I'm obviously being you know <laughs> picking a light thing because I already talked about the heavy stuff. But really, I like the outfit. It sets him apart. It puts him. He's not just wearing the same thing that Riker and you know. Uh, other people in red uniforms are wearing. <laughs> Riker and others. I was going through my list. Yellow, yellow, blue, yellow. Damn it. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm a captain, but casual. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I no, really like... Captain About Town, John luc Picard. It actually... <laughs> it sort of reminds me of I'm the... a captain, but you can approach me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my door is always open, you guys. <laughs> I would like not to have a... Like a management consultant. Card ever saying that. No, no, my door is always closed. Yep. You have to ring the bell, and I might not say come. Maybe I want to be left alone. Could be. I have a book. I'm Captain Picard. <laughs> You'll say, Cap- a computer, please locate Captain Picard, and the computer will say, he's right in front of you, and then you'll feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It, look, it reminds me a bit of the war uniforms on DS9, which I also really liked. I don't know. I just, I, it, like I said, it's a goofy thing, but uh, that is a costume I will be wearing at Emerald City <laughs> next year, mm-hmm. and I just, I'm very fond of that. I love that jacket, you guys. It's such a good jacket. And the gray under. Locate Captain Picard. Captain Picard is in his quarters. I know I am, but where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, I I can't think of an episode that gives me more just joy. That that feeling like this is a thing that I love, and this is why. Yeah. It's there's this really this palpable. Warm feeling inside. It sounds. I sound like so much of a dork saying that, but mm-hmm. I just. I get this big smile on my face. I'm like, this. This is why. It's just. I so feel. Weird. I feel it's uh, Next Generation's answer to Arena. I think. Really. Of the, really? Of the first series. Yeah, I suppose I. Could I was see thinking that. that too when I was watching it. Yeah, we're and then for for those of you who don't remember that was uh, Kirk uh, on the planet with the Gorn and they're trying to outsmart each other. And and the Gorn laughs like Muttley, according to Matt. <laughs> but it really it shows the difference between Picard and Kirk yet again. I agree. Know? Although I was thinking about this, if you put any other, well, if you put Kirk, Picard, or Cisco, <laughs> let's leave it there. If you put any of these guys in the same situation, this story would have unfolded basically the same way. I think they all would have reacted the same way Picard did, and and went through the same steps, and eventually figured it out. I don't know. No, I I think they would. I, I really gave this some thought, and I thought, okay, Kirk might be a little more hostile at the beginning, but I think he'd come around and he'd figure it out. I mean, there would definitely be a fight between those two at some point. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just I think both, and I think Cisco the same way. I think this is just sort of what a Starfleet guy does. I don't think it was necessarily a Picard thing, so much as just a a good Starfleet officer thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like there wasn't anything quintessentially Picard about about the situation. Mm-hmm. If it was Captain Maxwell, he would have killed him. Well, yes, of course. He's, he looks happened. too much like a Cardassian, which is to say not like a human. <laughs> so these guys communicate through metaphors, which is basically what we as nerds always do. Yep. How many references have we made in this podcast? Like 50 already? All of them. Yeah. Uh, they're like the anti-English gav, basically. Yes. <laughs> they, they, this is a PCR society. Yes. Ironically, though, English gav knows tons about Tanegra. <laughs> 
<laughs> Armok, Gillard, all those guys. Dale. Yeah. That's why they. That's why they have that drunken Tenegra cast. Right. <laughs> no, and I like that he was willing. The the other captain was willing to die. Yeah. To uh, to oh, make yeah, this I, happen. I like that. I I I think one of my favorite scenes is everything's getting really tense between the two ships. And they're about to fire on each other, and they're, you know, they're all going to die. And Picard storms on the bridge and completely takes control. And he's like, you know, uh, uh, this guy and this guy at this place, you know, Temba, his arms wide, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's looking at him like, what what happened to you down there? How yeah. do you? And that's just a total Picard badass moment where he's like, hey, I got this. Everyone just, shut up. You're all doing it wrong. But I love just how he bursts <laughs> onto the bridge and just completely owns the situation. Yeah. That's just so cool. That's Picard. Yep. Totally is. But again, I could see Kirk doing that. Mm-hmm. I could see Cisco doing that. Maybe a little more, you know, a little more like the, the, the Darmok and Chalard. And Tenegra. Yeah. Yep. But I could definitely see that happening. I love the scene where they're, they're sort of trading stories around the campfire where, you know, particularly the, the alien captain. I know he has a name. I just keep forgetting it. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't I, say I, it. I kept wanting to call him Darmok. Yeah. His name is Dathan. That's it. Yeah, but how do we, like, that's not revealed to us till near the end, right? Like, or do they say yeah. it before? I don't remember. Because of the way they communicate, it's hard to, hard to tell. But anyway, they, they, so he's telling stories, and the way he tells the Darmok story, he's still sort of telling it through metaphors. Mm. And the way they, like, you know, Darmok on the ocean, Jalard on the ocean, you know, like, I don't know, I just like the way the syntax of it it's it's a weird way to tell a story and you really have to be paying attention to figure where he's going with it yeah i, I like their situation and then he tells the story of uh, darmark and jalad mm-hmm. and the card has the story of gilgamesh and and uh, and they're all the same story basically i'm yeah. actually not that familiar with with gilgamesh so i learned a thing or two here as well <laughs> is it is it similar are those situations similar like i seriously well, don't know well, well, it is. It's the two people, two guys, and then Gilgamesh and Nkudu, they didn't like each other. And, uh, yeah, but these guys then, didn't then, not like each other. Well, they were enemies, so to speak. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, Dathan and Picard weren't enemies. They were never enemies at any point. True, but right, I they were. <laughs> well, it, it, Okay. <laughs> No, I mean, it still stands up as a basic situation. You're right, but they weren't. They were just similar situations. Yeah. Right, they were. And no, then, because and I, then of course, towards the end, of, well, that's my quote, so I'll not go. Well, let's let's just go ahead and play oh. that now. This is a story, a very ancient one from Earth. And, um, I'll try and remember it. Gilgamesh, a king. Gilgamesh, a king at Uruk. He tormented his subjects. He made them angry. They cried out aloud, send us a companion for our king. Spare us from his madness. Enkidu, a wild man, from the forest entered the city they fought in the temple 
They fought in the streets. Gilgamesh defeated Enkidu. They became great friends. Gilgamesh and Enkidu at Uruk. Uruk. The, the new friends went out into the desert together where the great bull of heaven was killing men by the hundreds. Enkidu caught the bull by the tail. Gilgamesh struck him with his sword. <laughs> Gilgamesh. <laughs> they were victorious. But Enkidu fell to the ground struck down by the gods and Gilgamesh wept bitter tears saying he who was my companion through adventure and hardship is gone forever Which, what a great quote. <laughs> no, it was it was nice. And and one of those it's, situations it's where... It's possibly the greatest scene in Star Trek. I don't know that I'd go that far. It's definitely up there, though. It's one of the best, like, sort of monologues that Patrick Stewart's had. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a great actor, that makes it even better. Um, but it's just towards the end he, reali- he realizes when he's telling the story that it's the same. And right. He's dead. And I love... It's maybe this does relate it back to Picard and makes it unique to him because it relates back to a historical thing, which we know is his thing. Yes. And it's like, oh, history. Yes. Metaphors from the past. I can do this. Oh, that, history. That's my thing. Yes. Because <laughs> he's in Sopranos now. Right. Oh. Oh, history. <laughs> I got some gabagool over here. I just picture him like going. Yeah, Darmok and Gelada Tanagra. Bah, Picard! <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to put Mesopotamia and Greek writing in, in an episode, it's automatically going to be good. Ah, uh, all right. <laughs> I will agree with that. I, I don't know. I, I'm i just thinking uh, Plato's stepchildren, and I have to disagree with you. Oh, right. Okay. Well, we've all forgotten about that. Oh, not me. Never forget. That's why I'm wearing this armband. Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's why I'm wearing this armband. <laughs> oh, great. That's worse than Jaws. Thank you. <laughs> Just gonna get him going again. I just like I said, I have very few notes here. I just I I sat back and just like this is great. Yeah, I, I was this. the same way. Yeah, I just made several notes say, about war. Just good. What's that, Kev? I, I made several notes about war for some reason. <laughs> Warf didn't even do anything. What do you got? I, I wrote wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Riker says to him, "Evasive maneuver, sequence Delta." And mm-hmm. I imagine him saying, "Which is Delta?" <laughs> That's the one with the D, right? I, Which one's Delta? Is that the kid? <laughs> Delta. Strange. <laughs> and, and I like that he thinks of Picard as a great warrior. Yeah. Oh, oh, the best note is uh, that they're at the stalemate, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, Worf wants there to be a war because it would end the stalemate. Right. That's, that's like ending hunger by removing your stomach. <laughs> But that is Worf's way. You got to admit, <laughs> the way of the warrior. Is that what way he is? I don't know. 
not a great way. No, it's not. The The weird thing is, who, who wrote this? Voice, Do you guys know it, off the top of your head? It was Gio Minoski. Right. Who, it, that's a name we've seen before, but I can't remember him being associated with other really great episodes. Like, not at the top of my head, no. we're, we're not seeing names like Ron Moore or Renee Yachivaria, however you say that. Or, like, there's a few writers who, if you see their name, this is going to be a good episode. And it was kind of a surprise that this is one of the best ones and it's not written by one of the sort of the heavy hitters, you know? Yeah. Uh, what else? What else, indeed? Picard should stop reading other people's stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. He walk. He just walks up to the camp when, uh, what's his name is off probably hunting food or something and, uh, just starts rifling through his things, looking in his notebooks and reading his poetry, probably. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense either. Damn it! <laughs> Poetry's <laughs> even more metaphorical. God. And then he was reading his metaphor. <laughs> Actually, their poetry's like the only thing that's straightforward. Yeah. That's... sad. I am going for a walk. <laughs> okay. Yes? I was just, I was just looking at things Joe Minoski's written. Ah, any other good ones? He wrote in theory. Oh, that was good. With Ronald Dean Moore. Oh, and he wrote, he wrote Clues and First Contact. First Contact, the episode, not the movie. Not the movie, no. Right. Indeed not. However, he also wrote Time's Arrow, so let's move on. Well, Time's Arrow Part 1 was good. It's once again, Part 2. Time's yeah. Arrow! Yeah. Well, he wrote the teleplay to one, but it's just the story to two. Uh. We well, probably so, left some notes behind and said, here, finish it. We might let him off. Yeah, we'll see. I wrote some Deep Space Nine. Oh, well, that's all right, then. Yeah. Um, Stone 1, 2, 3, and 6. Oh, all right. Well, I think, I think overall, what's that? I was going to say Rick Berman hated the premise for this. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that, and, and then it ended up being one of the best episodes. Yep. Yeah. He put it in his top ten. Yeah, I was really surprised looking at Memory Alpha that there were very few notes about this. I thought this was, you know, really well regarded, but there's not a lot of, you know, like toward the bottom where they talk about the accolades and the, yeah. you know, stuff like that. There wasn't much there. Everyone watched this episode like we did. Like yeah. They try to take notes and then they can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe that. That makes total sense. Well, I think overall we're off to a really good start for season five. And yeah. I think, you know. We're we're definitely still in that that top of the bell curve thing. I think season six is where things start getting a little shaky, but there's a lot of good in this season. And uh, you know, these two, while the first one had its problems, it was still a pretty solid episode. And I think you know, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's nary a devil's due to be found. Nope. Which is good. Oh, you like devil's due? I did. Don't just agree with that. No. <laughs> All right then. You're you're just tired of recording at this point, aren't you? We've been doing this for almost five hours. <laughs> yes, we have. And I'm drunk. English Gav has gone off to play video games, and the rest of us had to stay behind and do our homework. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> All right. Any any final thoughts? Any any things to that we missed? Um. Oh. Uh, yes. This is better than video Ashley game. Judd as Lieutenant Leffler. Oh, uh, yeah. Leffler's in this. That's true. And it's nice because she's in a very small role, which will be expanded later. Yep. But it's a nice it's a nice example of them. Establishing a character that'll be important later without saying, I just showed up this week. Mm -hmm. It was like what Flonk was saying, like someone who you've never seen before and will never see again. This is their way of working around that and saying, well, look, she's here. And then when she shows up later, it won't be such a surprise. Yeah. Which was nice. All right. Can I take these damn sweaty headphones off yet or what? Please. Okay. <laughs> Thank you once again, Gav. We will, I'm sure, talk to you again soon because, you, you know... You'll be Definitely suffering through do. the bad as well as the good. 
and we're almost out of the good now, so... <laughs> oh, God, boy. Hey, we're into, we'll be in Deep Space Nine soon. Oh, no, I was, talking, nine. I was talking about Season 7. All right. I love Season 7. Do you? Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I have a question. Yes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just have my word for it now, Matt. You don't remember Season 7. I remember some stuff from Season 7. Do you? Do you remember you, the return you, yeah. of... Uh, uh, Damon Bach was not very good. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Wesley and the Travelers. Becoming sentient and being a yeah, train. Yeah, being shit. a train. <laughs> God. Is that, the one with the little, is that the one with the little robots that they send to die? Nope, that was another one. The was little that in boxes. season seven? I don't remember. No, that one. No, that one, that one, they, they, uh, they spread it out. I mean, Redemption Part 2, they all shove it in the same episode. But, uh, <laughs> season seven, they move it all about the different episodes. Yeah. Uh, ever fucks a ghost? Oh, and let's oh yeah, and let's not forget Lore's Magic Castle. Lore's Magic Castle. Yeah, but we're not there. We're in a good no. season, and we will be for a while. So, Matt, you know what? There has been an outcry from the fans. <laughs> I am going to give you your catchphrase back. Oh, good. Don't blow it. <laughs> All right, you you ready? Yes. Are you good ready, Gav? God, yes. See you, folks. Yay! The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.